If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, as we have been continuing our study together through 1 Timothy. If you're here and you don't have a Bible, we got one for you right in front of you. You should find a pew Bible. It's on page 933. For those of you who need a little larger print, uh, we have those in the back as well. Uh, but again, what an incredible book that God has given us with 1 Timothy. It's like a manual for the church that we have been making our way through. Robert Gould Shaw was just 25 years old when he accepted the command of the 54th Massachusetts Regiment during the Civil War. And you can imagine a 25-year-old, a 25-year-old given that kind of responsibility of an entire regiment uh, in the Civil War that he was to command. But there was a doubly difficult, hard challenge for Robert Gould Shaw. You see, the 54th Massachusetts Regiment was a regiment that was an all-black or all-African-American regiment. So here you have a, a young officer, 25 years old, in charge of an entire regiment, uh, and doubly so that he has one, a very unique one, that was filled with soldiers uh, that were fighting for independence, uh, that were African-American or black soldiers. The stakes were high. The stakes were high for the 54th Regiment because the truth is, in the North and the South, there was both concerns. Well, can these soldiers fight? Can these soldiers be good soldiers? Can they learn how to do the things that, that soldiers need to do? Can they respond to orders? Can they, can they stand in the fierce battle and fight? And so what was on uh, the, this uh, incredible young officer of Robert Shaw was so much. Not only to lead these men, but they realized that the reputation that they had, how these men did, was going to solidify how people thought of them. Were they worthy soldiers, or would they, were they not? I love what he wrote to his father. Saw wrote about his troops, that they're as good a regiment as any that has ever marched. He was so proud of that regiment. Well, it was on July 18th in 1863 that Shaw would die alongside many of his fellow troops in the Battle of Fort Wagner, which is right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, there's more about his story. Those of you who've seen the movie Glory, uh, much of that is, can be depicted there as well to show the success of this young officer's uh, leadership, especially, and it's such an amazing early age. Again, we're working our way through 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy is like an owner's manual for the church. And remember, the Bible's got 66 books in it. This is one of them. It's called the Pastoral Epistle, which means it's a little bit different. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to a young pastor. That's why the Pastoral Epistle means letter. And it's specifically written to a young pastor named Timothy, as he is in Ephesus, and now here you have the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And Timothy was kind of timid. Uh, he, he wrestled with fear. Uh, he maybe even had some physical ailments. Uh, wasn't the strongest of, of, of leaders, and he was young. Um, he was also somebody that Paul really loved. Paul called him a true son in the faith. Uh, actually, several of the letters of the New Testament were written from Paul and Timothy. So this is a, a young stud in the early church. This is somebody that God used mightily to build his church. 
But he, like many young pastors, was afraid. And if you've been to Ephesus, it's an amazing city, especially back then in this Roman colony. It was an important city. And so you have an important city with a young pastor with a huge charge because a lot of things had come into the church, a lot of things had come into the community. The church was starting to be a little bit divided over some bad teaching, some false teaching. There are people that, that looked like they were sheep, but they were really wolves that had snuck in uh, and started sending people in the wrong direction. So, so Paul is telling Timothy specifically in this letter, hey, this is the manual. This is the household for uh, the, the manual for God's household, the household of God, for us to flourish, the church of the living God. And this is a part we're going to look at. We've looked at so many things already. It gets really personal. This is Paul specifically talking to a young pastor saying, hey, this is the way you are to be responding to. Now, I know that once you read somebody's letter, when it gets really personal, you feel like there's a dialogue going on between two, there's an easy way to check out saying, hey, I'm not a young pastor living in Ephesus. What does this have to do with me? But I got to promise you this. Inspired by the Holy Spirit applies to all of us. Whoever you are, whatever age you are, wherever you sit, God's Word has been inspired by His Holy Spirit. Therefore, He's got a message for all of us today, and it's an important one. Now, uh, I've told uh, different groups throughout the study uh, to pay attention. King's Chapel has an incredible great core of young people. Uh, they help us every week with our sound and our, our visuals. They help us every week uh, in their own small KC groups. I'm so proud of the young people here in this church. <clears throat> and this message has a particular focus for you. So, uh, but if you're not a young person, I got to promise you, uh, it's for you as well. But let me just start off by saying, young folks, this is your church now. This is your church. We can't, we can't wait for our young people to get traction in the church. This is today. And we need all hands on deck. Lead the charge for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor. So we're just going to look at a few verses. We're going to look at uh, chapter 4, 11 through 16. Uh, and with this, you're going to see that there's a Timothy's got a charge, what he's to do. Uh, we're talk, you'll see that Timothy is to set an example. We're going to find out what Timothy's authority was. And we're going to hear about Timothy's gift, uh, Timothy's growth, Timothy's vigilance, and Timothy's goal. All wrapped up in this one little uh, section of First Peter, I'm sorry, First Timothy uh, chapter 4. So let's look at, we're going to pick up in verse 11. We're reading God's holy inerrant word. Uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 11 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the, set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which has been given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that they all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. The flower fades the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we thank you for this owner's manual in First Timothy for the church. 
God, in your wisdom, you've told us what it is we are to believe, what it is that we are to hold dear, the sound doctrine of the gospel, what it is we are to avoid. In this incredible letter, you remind us of the grace that you've lavished upon us. And God, now as we get a peek, an inside peek into the Apostle Paul talking to his true son in the faith, Timothy, and exhorting him, what does it mean to be a young leader, a young pastor? God, would you come in the power of the preaching of your word and through a broken sinner like me, and God, would you let all of us understand what this means for our lives, not just what it means for Timothy, but what it means for King's Chapel here and now, what it means for each one that's, that's hearing this word of yours. Oh God, would you be pleased to speak through a broken sinner like me? Oh God, would you give us ears to hear your voice? Would you give us minds to understand your word? Would you give us hearts that embrace your truth? And would you give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name? God, the things that I say, they're wrong. They're merely my opinion. May those things fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are true and contain the good news of the gospel, would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus, to make us a more effective bride of Christ for you. We pray in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. First thing we're going to see is Timothy's charge. When I went into ministry way back in 1992, I felt my lifetime calling was going to be to students. And I did that for 10 years, and I loved it. Because 85% of the people who come to Christ to know him as Lord and Savior do so by the age of 18. So if you want to be on the front line of ministry, oftentimes you choose student ministry. But God gave me a joy for preaching, and he gave me a heart to just not just shepherd one age group, but I love the fact, even the diversity in this room, I love everything from hair that is falling out in silver to some folks that are a lot younger than us. I love the fact of being a, a pastor to that. But my first call to be a, a lead pastor, I was 36 years old. I was young in many ways, considering the world, uh, young for the position I had. Uh, many of my seminary professors who had trained me in what should have been three years of seminary that I stretched to eight. Many of those seminaries were in my congregation. And I remember what it was like being a young pastor in charge. Well, they listened to me. Well, these folks with gray hair that have had way more experience the people who have experienced way more life, will they listen to a young preacher? Well, interestingly, I was about the same age that probably Timothy was when he was in Ephesus. We don't know for sure, but commentators will say in his 30s, probably mid-30s is when he got this incredible pastorate in the church of Ephesus. And he had a huge task in front of him. And again, I know the challenge of being considered young. I wish I was still considered young uh, and a leader of a church. There's other challenges my side. But the first thing was the charge. So the charge was this to a young pastor. Hey, command and teach these things. Command and teach them. As a young person, command these things and teach them. And you want to say, what things? What things was he to command? And what things was he to teach? And we've looked through this letter and what we know he's to command and teach is these words of faith and sound doctrine. Make sure you know your stuff, Timothy. Make sure your theology is sound. 
And more than anything, make sure that you are preaching the good news of the gospel in season and out of season. You're always telling people about the hope we have in Christ. You are always proclaiming the good news of what God has done for us. We're not proclaiming a moral message. We're not just trying to get people to, to act better. We're not just to try to clean them up. We are commanded. Timothy is commanded to preach. Preach and commend these things. Teach these things. The, basically, what uh, chapter 1, 10, and 11 will say, sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel. Well, how can a young man command his church to follow the teachings of Christ? This is beautiful. He starts off by saying, listen, command these things. And he turns right around and says, by the way, by setting the example of how others should live. In verse 12, he says, now, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on your youth. It literally means don't let anybody despise your youth. How can you, how do you change that? I mean, it's really hard to do. Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Well, by setting the example of how others should live. You can't despise your youth if they admire your example, right? You can't despise your youth if they admire your example. So Paul exhorted Timothy to set the example for believers, an example they can follow. Again, you can't despise your youth if they admire your example. And he calls them to leadership versus lordship. Big difference in the church. The church should have true leadership, not lordship. I mean, we shouldn't, leaders shouldn't be lording it over you. I mean, leaders should be those who are, who are leading the way by example. Uh, they aren't the ones behind you pushing. They're the ones in front of you as servant leaders getting a followership. Christian leadership, again, isn't being driven. It's being compelled. It's being compelled. And he's saying, Timothy, live his life that's compelling. It's not compelling about you, but it's compelling about Jesus. That, that Timothy, they could smell Jesus in you. You are the aroma of Christ. They will see you and say, there's something beyond that guy. And what it is, it's the Holy Spirit inside that guy, the way he lives his life. I'm not just compelled to follow Timothy. I'm compelled to follow Jesus as Jesus follows Timothy. And that's the way we were to lead as the church. And we were to lead in word and deed. Not just what you preach, Timothy, but how you live. Timothy had to have that combination of word and deed to set the example in speech. And those his words. The way he talked in the pulpit and out of pulpit. In his conduct. The way he behaved. Did it match his message? You know how it feels when you see hypocritical preaching? We see it all the time. Uh, when you see one who says one thing and does another thing. Paul said, hey, Timothy, listen, it's got to be in line. Make sure what comes out of your mouth is going to be something that's going to be God-honoring. Make sure the way you live your life, it's going to have a conduct of, of behavior. And then in love, of all the uh, ultimate virtues, it's love. Don't forget love. I'm telling you, if a preacher doesn't have love, run. I mean, they're going to be harsh. They're going to cut you. And, you know, the number one thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Find preachers that love the Lord and find preachers that love the people. Love, the, the love their neighbors as their self. And that love, I mean, that's the number one commandment, right? I don't care what you know. It's what Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 13. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but you're just a clanging gong without love. Without love for God and without love for his people. But also set the example in faith. Embrace the gospel of Christ Jesus. 
Remember, Timothy, it's not what you know that's ultimately going to get you in. It's who you know. It's not, Timothy, that you're going to become good enough that God's going to embrace you. It's, it's in your faith that you realize what Christ has done for you to set you free and to make you whole. You see, this makes it more about Jesus than Timothy. It makes it more about make sure you're hanging on to him in faith. And then in purity, make sure you have self-discipline. Make sure there's purity in your life. So that was Timothy's example. Don't despise your youth. They can't if they admire your example. It's got to be leadership, not lordship. And it's got to be about word and deed. And then we see Timothy's authority. And the authority is scripture. He says, don't, listen, don't stop doing this. Read scripture in public. What is he saying with that? Well, that is his authority. The authority is God's word. Timothy was to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture. You notice, every time before I preach, what do we do? Here's my authority. We read Scripture. This is God's Word, right? So that, that was to be his. We should be devoting ourselves to the public reading of Scripture. Not to command and teach his own opinion. We hear it all the time. It's not what you think, what I think about what should happen in politics, what I think should happen with the environment, what I think it should happen, those those are all secondary things. What we need to know is what God's Word says. Command and teach God's Word. But don't just deal culturally with what's relevant with topics. You want to take God's Word and make sure it does talk to the culture. You want to make sure that it is relevant today. But so many times we start it all backwards. We start with what's important to culture and we try to find God's Word. We start with something that might tickle our ears and try to find our way to God. No, we start with Scripture. Scripture. We let Scripture be our authority. And let Scripture speak into what's happening to our culture. we got to make sure we don't have those things other way around. Scripture is to be our authority. Uh, this has got to be our authority. Sola Scriptura. Um, God's Word alone. So that was Timothy's authority. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Interestingly, uh, my brother-in-law and sister moved to uh, a few years ago from Tallahassee to uh, the Bronx. It's a move, isn't it? You go from Tallahassee to the Bronx, and he's always been in Christian education, and he went up to, uh, from Christian education in Tallahassee to the Bronx. It's a little bit different there, let me just say. But one of the things he really found in New York City that he delighted, that there, was, there were a group of people who just read Scripture. They just got together, and they publicly read Scripture. Um, so I think there's more than just publicly reading scripture. But he, he was how he was fed, was just to go and just hear God's word proclaimed because there's nothing like God's word. It's living and active. Um, but not only that, there should be exposition and application. A preacher should preach the whole counsel of scripture. Uh, we should preach in an expository manner. And maybe you don't know what that means, but, but let me tell you, uh, really as a shepherd, you want to know all 66 books, the Old and New Testament. They're all important. All of God's Word is God's Word. It's interesting. Some people say, well, those red letters are most important. No, they're not. They're all important. Every word is God-breathed. Those red letters are amazing letters of Jesus, but we can't say, well, that's more important than this, is it? Right? So a church should be being fed by all of God's Word, from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between. And so we should be preaching the whole counsel of God. Reading this, this was true in the synagogue. You read the Old Testament. They were reading this in the early church, reading scripture, hearing it all. 
And, and what this expository preaching means verse by verse by verse. Have you noticed what we've done through 1 Timothy? We've hit every verse. And I tell you what, some are easier to preach than others. You know what I love to do? I want to avoid that. Oh, man, I don't want to talk about that one. Let me, let me just avoid this because this is going to be controversial. That's what we should do is say, no, no, we're going we're gonna to meander our way through God's word. Um, we started last fall a series called Our Rock Through the Ages. I told you it's going to take five years. And uh, we're going to come back in the fall to the book of Exodus. And we're just going to kind of navigate our way. Come join me. Let's journey through this amazing book together. Let's see Jesus found in every page of it. It's absolutely incredible uh, that we have the privilege of preaching through this. So a preacher should preach expository sermons, sermons through the entire text. That was his authority. What was Timothy's gift? Well, God had called Timothy. There's a prophecy that was made about Timothy in chapter 118. It says, hey, Timothy, you had this prophecy over you about being a preacher. It's mentioned again in this text that there was a prophecy about him being a preacher. And I've always loved sharing with my congregation that in a small way, I feel that connection. Timothy had a godly mother and grandmother. Their names were Lois and Eunice. Scripture tells us their name. And it tells us something more in 2 Timothy than 1 Timothy. It says that Lois and Eunice since infancy, told him about Scripture. And something beautiful happened to Timothy, that he, not only like many of us, grew up hearing God's Word, he believed it, and he embraced it, and that he became this, this preacher. And it was prophesied that he would be a preacher. Man, I can't wait to see Grandma Blakeman again. One of the most godly women I've ever met was my mom's mom. And I had, I had her name was Esther. I had an Esther and a Marjorie. And I remember my grandma just tossing my hair at a very young age and saying, Jeffrey, I'm praying that you'll be a pastor someday. I mean, I'm praying for that reality. I just love that, that, that so much of my life growing up, I didn't want to be a pastor. I want to be a businessman. And to be honest with you, I want to be a good one and a wealthy one. And I became a preacher. What happened? <laughs> it was my grandma. It was her fault. I mean, from early on, I mean, she's just praying over me. Oh, Lord, make this boy a pastor make this boy a preacher. And you know, they say in Scripture, the prayers of a righteous woman availeth much, and this is what you got. If you don't like me, blame my grandma Blakeman, all right? And you might want to jump on my mom, Marjorie. She too had a big hand in this and uh, for me being here. Well, here you had this young pastor who was gifted. He was gifted by God because he was called by God. Uh, he had a godly heritage, and I'm grateful for mine. But God had gifted Timothy specifically with a gift to preach. It says, don't neglect the gift that's been given to you, uh, Timothy. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 1.6. For this reason I remind you, Paul's writing to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which has been given to you through the laying on of hands. You got a gift, Timothy, and it is to preach and fan it into flame. Man, preach, preach the gospel. Timothy was gifted. He was called uh, to do that. Um, gifted by God, he also had elders that had commissioned him. The church recognized this guy's got something. So let's lay our hands on Let's set him apart. Let's make him our pastor. Let's make him a pastor. So the elders commissioned Timothy. Those who were older recognized what God had done. And the council of elders laid hands upon Timothy. And they ordained him, commissioned him, and gave their seal of approval. And then we got to realize, Timothy, don't neglect your gift. But let's hit pause and make it about you and me. Do you know that you've been given a gift? It's different than Timothy's. You don't have his gift. And most of you uh, probably don't have the gift of preaching. But it's wise that God has given us different gifts. Listen, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 
will all tell us that every single one of us, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God specifically has given you a gift for the blessing of the church and the glory of God. You have a gift. If you are his, you have something that you are to give back. You have something that you are to use to serve, to glorify God and bless his church and bless the community in which God has placed you. And you too are to fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Has he given you the gift of hospitality? Then open up your home, open up your life to others. Has he given you the gift of service? Serve others in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Has he given you the gift of administration and organizing things? Organize things for the glory of God. If the organization is left up to Jeff Jakes and King's Chapel, we're in trouble, right? I mean, if, if, if all things fall on my shoulders, we're in trouble. And we could see clearly that there's gifts that God has given. Some are called to be servants. We have many great ones here. What gift has God given you? Use it for his glory and good. We're not to be just sitting and soaking. Uh, we are the church. There's something we got to be serving and moving. Every single one of us, do not neglect the gift that God has given to you. We all have one. If you don't know what your gift is, chat with me. I would love we could wrestle with it. Scripture gives us a list of gifts. Again, let me tell you, go to 1 Corinthians 12. There's a list there. Romans 12. There's a list there. Ephesians 4. There's a list there. See how God uses those gifts for the blessing of the church and the glory of God. Let's go, King's Chapel. All hands on deck. We're a young church. We're a great church in many ways. We're, I love where we are, but we need to have the total family all involved. This is a family effort from each and every one of us, from the young people to the old. Let's all jump in. Then there's Timothy's growth. And he says these things about his growth. Practice these things. Practice what you preach, Timothy. Don't just preach it. Live it. Practice it out. And he says this. Immerse yourself in them. The literal Greek says this. Be in them. I love that. Be in them. You, you, you know, be in the gospel. Be in the reality of what you preach. Immerse yourself in this. Make this your business. Make this, be absorbed by this. And again, I, one of the greatest things, I, I, I'm glad I had a business career. It wasn't a great career. It wasn't a long career before I became a pastor. But I tell you, being in the ministry, it's absorbing. It's absorbing, but it's a blessing. And what, what, a, what a blessing it is to be absorbed in your lives, to be absorbed in the, in the preaching of God's word. But we all should be absorbed in the gospel. Let me marinate in it every week and then bring it to you. Let me cut it up and dissect it and, 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 and wrestle with it and bring it to you. And let's, let's, let's be good Bereans and wrestle together. But let's do this together. Timothy's growth. And then he says this, that all may see your progress. Katie will know this. You know what used to bug me the most as a young preacher? Every week, I'd stand by the door, and somebody would say, do you know, you're getting so much better. You really are. I'm really, I'm really, I'm staying awake almost all the time now. You're getting so much better. And they were being kind. And if you told me that, thank you very much. But I never heard it because I was too prideful. All I could hear was, you really stunk, and you moved it a little bit, and you're getting a little bit better. But I love it. Scripture's like, everybody should see your progress. You should see growth. Now, here's what I think is most important. If you are under a preacher who feels he's arrived, be afraid. Because we are all in process. If you feel like a preacher has arrived, he's going to preach down to you, and he's not going to be one of you. And I don't think he understands the gospel. 
The reality is, is we are in this together. Don't put me on a platform above you. I'm a sinner just like you. I need Jesus every bit as much as you do, right? And so uh, um, hopefully you'll see my progress. And I know that some of you have known me a long time. I hope you can see some progress, you know? I mean, I have a tendency to, 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 to react, you know? I mean, I have a tendency to, to, to say the wrong thing. I'm Peter in the Bible. Oh, I'm not Peter. I wish I was. I'm more like Peter than anybody else. First to speak, last to think. You know, step out on the waves and first to sink. I mean, that's who you have here. Um, but I hope you see progress. But not just for me, but for you. We all should be growing. We all should be becoming more like him to see our progress. Uh, then lastly, uh, Tim Timothy's vigilance. Keep a close watch on your life. Oh my, preachers and pastors have the biggest targets on them. Why do you see them always mess up? Why are we falling and failing at an incredibly tough rate? Listen, Satan wants to mess up your marriage. Satan wants to screw up your life. Satan wants to take you down, but he loves the taste of pastors. He loves church leaders. And there's a bigger target on me than there is on you. And I'm not because I'm better. I'm going to get more press. Would you pray for me? Because I'm telling you, there's an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion looking for those who devour. And he loves the taste of those in the ministry. So we've got to be vigilant of our lives. We need to put on the full armor of God. Make sure we're aware of the devil's schemes. And you know what I know? I read scripture, and there's a guy named David who's an amazing king. He was an amazing warrior. And man, that guy loved God so much. He wrote some amazingly beautiful hymns. He was incredible. He was an adulterer and a murderer. Wow. If God's man could do that, who can't? Listen, let's just talk. Don't expect your clergy, your, your pastors, that, 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 that we're not struggling. Don't, don't think that we're somehow exempt. Know the truth. We have a target on us. Know the truth. Pray for us. Know the truth um, that we have to be vigilant. And that's what Paul says. Guard your life, man. Watch out. But not only that, keep a close watch on your teaching and your doctrine. Make sure you're not just giving your opinion. Make sure you're not just preaching what's important to you. Preach this, man. Preach the gospel in season and out of season. And what is Timothy's goal? It's salvation. Salvation for him. It's salvation for his hearers. I mean, that's the goal, that we know and love Jesus, right? That's the goal, that we make disciples. That's the goal, that more of us are making our way home. That's the goal, that the church will flourish. Well, we got to know that Timothy didn't save one person. He can't save anybody. Paul can't save anybody. The only way you're saved is by God's grace, through faith, and what Christ Jesus has done. But what he's saying is preach Christ. Preach him in season. Preach him out of season. In doing so, there's salvation there for all who hear it. That's the good news of the gospel. King's Chapel. The question is, have you embraced Christ Jesus as your Savior? Is he your Lord? I mean, are you just warm to him, or have you completely changed because of him? Do you embrace him as your Lord and Savior? King's Chapel, we all have a part to play. This is the household of the living God. Young people, let's go. It's your time right now. Let's go. Help lead the charge. Let's go. This is your church. And we have a great opportunity. But we all need to be fully engaged to flourish the way God would have us to flourish. Right here is our authority saying let's lock arms together and let's, for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, let's build the bride of Christ for his glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for First Timothy. We thank you for the Apostle Paul. God, 
We thank you that Jesus met him personally on the road to Damascus and everything changed. He went from a persecutor of Christians uh, to an incredible defender of the gospel. We thank you. We thank you for the impact he had on Timothy and how Timothy has had an impact on us as he had an impact on the church in Ephesus so long ago. God, we thank you for the good news of the gospel. And God, may King's Chapel be a place that finds Scripture as our authority. May we be a place that stands upon sound doctrine. May we be a place that celebrates God's abounding grace to sinners like us. May we be a place that speaks truth and truth and love. God, may we be a place that the preacher and the congregation knows that we're all sinners saved by God's grace. May we be a place that prays for one another, loves one another, uplifts one another. Why? For the glory of our great God, for the good of our neighbor. God, would you let us shine? Would you shine your face upon us so that that grace and mercy will shine on our neighbors, our family, and friends for your glory? Oh, God, protect us. As I read your word, what I know about your people, your church, is we continually have the propensity to drift away from you. Oh, God, would you have your grip on us be so tight and our grip on you be so tight that, God, we live for your glory and the good of our neighbor. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.